Let's go to Proverbs. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 8 today. Lord willing, we're going to conclude our um, study on this theme of the book of Proverbs, which is, we're, of course, we're doing a major themes study um, in Proverbs, and this is the first one, which is the fear of the Lord. So we'll be in chapter 8. We've seen uh, the different ways the fear of the Lord, what it, we, we've looked at the definition of the fear of the Lord, what it means. I always, always think, just as, as a side note, I always think it's important when you read the Bible to make sure that you understand what you're reading. Um, we, as, as long as we've been saved, the longer we've walked with the Lord and read the Bible, Sometimes we get so familiar with what it says, we know what it's going to say as it, you know, as it comes, and then we just we, we keep reading and we don't even know what it says. Like how many of you know what the word emulation means? Or how many of you know what the word, you know, whatever? What, huh? Variance, Variance yeah. Or the fear of the Lord even, what, what that means, you know. And, and I know the Lord teaches us, despite the fact that we might not be able to recite a dictionary definition, He teaches us through the context. In a, in a really an amazing way. We learn not just from the definitions, but also from what's around it. And that's why the context is really important. But anyway, it is an important thing that we understand what these things mean because by doing that, you understand the Scripture. God chose to give us the Bible in written form for a reason. And so, uh, so we looked at the definition of the fear of the Lord and we've looked at several other verses that deal with it, but... What I want to look at now as we try to finish up this, uh, this theme is the benefits, the benefits of the fear of the Lord. Or we might say how the fear of the Lord affects us or influences us. So the first one is in Proverbs 8.13, which was quoted earlier. Um, so let's look at that. I was turned to Psalms by accident. Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 13. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Do I hate? Now, in this particular context, the I is prop most immediately referring to wisdom. That, that's the key thing. You need to make sure when you read the book of Proverbs, uh, cults like to misuse different passages in Proverbs, like chapter 8. For instance, verse 1 says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the street, she crieth at the gates. Verse 4 is the quotation of what wisdom is saying when she's preaching on the street corner. And she says, O men, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Verse 6, I will speak of excellent things. So wisdom is speaking. This is not God speaking, and this is certainly not Jesus speaking, but it is wisdom personified speaking, all right? You got to make sure, and I know there's a lot of overlap because wisdom, obviously, we've already studied, comes from God. But it is important to understand that sometimes people will take verses out of Proverbs and will try to undermine biblical doctrine, especially about Christ, by saying that this is referring to Christ because it gets into, it says that wisdom was created with the Lord brought forth wisdom in the beginning and all this stuff as if Christ was created. 
So you just have to, that's what I'm saying, you have to understand the context and understand how it applies. We know that Jesus is unto us wisdom. Somebody who quoted that? It was, uh, I think it was Ari quoted that, I believe, 1 Corinthians. Yeah. So Christ is wisdom unto us, but this is obviously a, a kind of a poetic or a, a literary form, personification. And so just keep that in mind. Now, so when we see verse 13, the Bible says, uh, pr- pride, arrogancy, etc. do I hate? Now, this is obviously referring to wisdom. Now, we can, uh, we can definitely apply it to ourselves. So we'll look at that right here. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The first thing I want, want us to see about the benefits of the fear of the Lord, we've understood the definition. We've understood uh, the source of wisdom, and that relates to the fear of the Lord because it's the beginning It's the beginning. When someone goes on a journey, an intellectual or a spiritual journey, you might say, you know, for lack of a better term, to find wisdom, the first stop, the first thing God reveals to them is not wisdom, but the fear of the Lord, because that's the beginning of wisdom. It's the first stop on that track. And so the Lord says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So here's what I want us to understand, that When a person fears God, it affects their view of evil. It affects their view of evil. Now, remember, the fear of the Lord primarily is not intellectual. (coughs) The fear of the Lord is not not so much intellectual. It's not just just information or data that's put into our mind. The fear of the Lord is relational. Even though it's the beginning of wisdom, it deals with our relationship to God. It's in other words, wisdom is directly connected to our relationship to God. All right? So here you have it is to hate evil. So the fear of the Lord, that relationship to God, which is the beginning of wisdom, will necessarily affect the way we view evil. Now note, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now this is not disagreement with evil. I just want to make a a little bit of a distinction. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil does not mean that that I do not think, it is not equal to saying, well, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's good. I don't think that is moral. All right? Hear me now. It is more than that. It is more than just disagreement with evil. This is hatred. Hatred. Hatred is not just disagreement. There are many things I disagree with. I disagree with Brother Stewart's hatred, true hatred, for cucumbers. I don't agree. David also doesn't agree because he likes cucumbers, I trust. He doesn't like... What, what is this church coming to? We need another revival. Well, I'll have, you, I'll have you know, last night, I chopped, I chopped up raw cucumbers to put in my salad on purpose. Yes, yeah, Miss, Miss Lynn is, she's right. She's right, because she's like me, so she's right. Yes, you just want to do it in front of him. The more he talks about it, the more we want to do it, right? Yes. <laughs> so I have no idea where the cucumbers came into my mind. Oh, the hatred. All right. So we, we, uh, we disagree. In other words, I don't agree with him. 
that cucumbers are bad. But sin, listen, if we fear God, sin should not be something we merely disagree with. Here's the thing. That is, that is the common kind of philosophical view of sin in this world. I'm going to mention the world both this morning and tonight, this morning in Sunday school and in the morning service, because the philosophy of the world is, well, when they're presented with something like, like a drag queen story hour or, or you know, homosexuality or raw, gross, ugly, vile, ungodly sin, a lot of times they say, this is what they say. They kind of like, kind of dismissively, well, you know, I don't agree, but that's not this. You can't look at evil and just be like, well, you know, I just, I don't, I don't agree. I just, you know, that's whatever's good for them, but you know, I, that's not what I do. That is not the description of what we read here. And that is not the attitude that we should have if we fear God. In fact, if we fear God, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know what that is? That is an equating. That means if you fear the Lord, this will be true. They're equal. <clears throat> we should, listen, we should not be, we should not be passive and, uh, we should not be passive and just un unbothered by sin and evil if we fear God. If we fear God, the effect of that is that we hate it. That's what, that's what I need. That's what I want us to understand. This is not an intellectual indifference. And that, that's, that is everywhere in this world. That is everywhere in this world. The only thing that this world, as far as sin is concerned, the only thing in this world that gets people stirred is when someone says something negative about the evil. I'm talking in Christian people, moral people, religious people. They don't get stirred up about any kind of sin, hardly ever. They get stirred up about politics. They get stirred up about sports. They get stirred, and, and, and then the, the opposite side of the, the, the people that are, aren't, don't have traditional morals, I'm, I'm using that term on purpose. Those that don't have it, they get stirred up when, whenever anyone says anything about their particular pet things that they like that are they're wicked they get stirred up and they get mad and they want to throw bricks and molotov cocktails and whatever as a person who fears god evil ought to be the object of our hatred it's more than intellectual hatred is not intellectual hatred is a visceral abhorrence of evil visceral referring to the heart the emotion it's not indifferent. It's not passive. You see, this is what the text says, does it not? It should get our goat. Who was it on Wednesday? I think it was on Wednesday night. Something, something we were talking to somebody about. I think it was, I would think we were talking with you about getting somebody's goat. Maybe it was David. I can't remember. But evil should get our goat. It should, it should bother us. It should be the object of our hatred. Now, lest we think this is only an Old Testament feature, Romans 12, 9 says this, let love be without dissimulation. That's a good word you don't need to skip over. <laughs> Stop, look it up, right? Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. This is a New Testament truth as well. It's not just in Proverbs, it's in the New Testament. Psalm 45, verse 7, listen to this. Speaking of the Lord, specifically the Lord Jesus, because this is quoted in Hebrews, it says, 
Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. God loves righteousness and hates wickedness. So the, the visceral reaction to evil, it has a flip side. It has the other side of the coin, which is love for righteousness, which is not intellectual also. That, is, that deals with the heart. It deals with the, the inner man, the, the, uh, the emotions. So just as much as we hate evil, we should also love righteousness if we're going to follow in the pattern of, of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> the evil spoken of, notice what it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The evil spoken of here, this is another philosophy, uh, philosophy of the world. I say philosophy, we could use the term worldview. We could use the term uh, viewpoint to refer to the world. Because listen, all of us, it doesn't matter if we're believers or unbelievers, all of us have a set of, of um, they call them mores, that is ideals, right? Or th- those would be the morals. The morals, mores are what they do. But anyway, all of us have a set of morals. Everyone does. Even immoral people, by our view, have a set of morals. Things that you should do and shouldn't do. Things that are ethically right, ethically wrong. The issue is what that is based upon. The issue is what that is based upon. So we look at the word evil here. I remember after September 11th, the president, President Bush at that time, not only President Bush, but politicians in general, it didn't matter if they were Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, whatever, politicians all the time referred to the terrorists and the terrorist attacks as evil, evil, evil. And it was really an odd thing because you heard that term a lot. Did anybody remember noting that, how often they used the term evil? Because that's not something politicians use very much. Is that right, David? Evil, evil. Because that's a very moral term. And that's not something they, they want to be indifferent. You know, they want to be indifferent. But the world likes to define evil as the big things that hurt other people. What is evil? Things that really hurt other people. That's, that's about it. That's about it. Think about it. You read the news, anytime someone invokes the word evil, it's going to be usually, it's going to be some bad thing you do to somebody else, like a murderer, or rapist, or something like that, a terrorist. But that's not what the Lord is saying here. Look at, look at the text. He says, the fear of the Lord is to aid evil. There's a colon, and then it says, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate? This is what this is the evil. Now, outside of this description, there are many other forms of evil. But this is what the Lord names. How many of these things that are listed in verse 13 does the world look upon fondly? You know, my son and I, last night we watched some football. I like watching football from time to time. I'm not, I don't have a dog in the fight, really. I mean, I like Clemson. Glad they won yesterday, but, you know, it's not the end of my world if they lose. But you see these players, they score a touchdown, they make a catch or whatever. The way they act in arrogance and pride. You know, it's one thing to be excited, but this is not excitement. What I'm referring to is something that's, that's not excitement. It's pride. 
It's arrogance. Here's the thing. People look at that and they kind of chuckle or they snicker or whatever, like it's not a big deal. Those are the kinds of things that God says that he hates. Those are the evils that God points out. Notice, and the world looks upon many of these things as either as amoral, just not good or bad, or actively good. They're often praised and rarely viewed as sinful. And at worst, they're viewed as maybe unfortunate or maybe a little less than good in some way. Now, you think about pride, arrogancy. That's what I just got done telling you. You know, people talk about, you know, going up the corporate ladder and the things that you have to do to move up the corporate ladder. You have to assert yourself and you've got to this and you've got to show them, show them that, you know, when you sit in that chair and you're getting interviewed for a job, you need to let them know that they need you, that they can't live without you and they're, you know, that kind of stuff. That's, that's praise. That's in these self-help books. It's all, it's praised. And God says, this is the things that we should hate if we fear the Lord. Notice what it says. A good example, it says the evil way, the froward mouth. How many people have, how many people have, uh, have heard people use foul language? You know, now all these, all these videos where people, instead of helping somebody or whatever, they take videos of everyone and just the foul language flying. Abby said there was a, there was a fight, almost a fight at Chick-fil-A of all places, a Christian place when she was at work, were they using foul language? Of course. You know what? Nobody says boo about that. Nobody says anything about it. Because they don't view it as all that, well, maybe they shouldn't use that, but that's about it. The Lord says, forward mouth, do I hate, you see. Another thing that's part of the, this term, the evil way, that is rarely treated evil, is living with someone who's, who's not your husband or wife. Listen, in our world, that is common. That is not unusual. It is common. And you, look, you look at Fox News, any day of the week, any day of the week, you will find it filled with trash that is promoted. Almost, almost as a joke for clicks, the stories, the political stories, the Hollywood stories filled with trash that is glorifying these very things. Here's the thing. We cannot let the world determine for us what evil is. That's my point. See, the thing is, we look at these things because we've heard it so much and we see them on the news and we see them in the media and we see them on the TV and we oftentimes will have the same reaction that the world has. Yeah, that's not good. But not good is different than the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Here's the thing. One cannot say he fears God if he tolerates evil passively. And this is not evil as defined by politicians or the media or the world. This is evil as defined by God, as we see here. You cannot say you fear the Lord. I cannot say I fear the Lord if I do not hate that. That's what the text says, all right? So the first thing is 
The benefits of the fear of the Lord, the influence of the fear of the Lord is it affects our view of sin and evil. All right, look, let's look at Proverbs chapter 14. These will go a little bit quicker. Verse 26. It says this, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and His children shall have a place of refuge. A strong is, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. That is, by fearing God, and of course living in the fear of God, we have something upon which we can trust and rely safely. That's confidence. That's similar to the word refuge in parallel. <clears throat> and because we have a place that is that we can trust and we have a place upon which we can rely, something upon which we can rely safely, we have peace. Now, here's, here's the second point I want us to get, and we'll look at a couple of verses that deal with it. The benefits of the fear of the Lord, number one, view of sin and evil. Number two, the fear of the Lord promises success and prosperity in this life. It does. You think of what it says here. Shall have strong confidence. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the I don't know if I would say the worst thing, but one thing that's really, you think of Miss Judy and the, the difficulty she's struggling with with Van. Van, her son, is, he was here on the, on the anniversary on, uh, on September 3rd. But, you know, when he first started having, started having symptoms, you know, that was very alarming to Miss Judy, right? That was very alarming to Woody because, because of the unknown. That's, that's the opposite of what we're reading here. There was no, you, you did not know what was going to happen. The peace was taken away because of the unknown, you see. And that's how it, that's how it affects us when we don't have a confidence. We don't have something that can that can give, give us safety. And see, in the fear of the Lord, you have that. You have that. You have a certain level of predictability. You know what is right and what is wrong. And then the benefit to that is that it, it brings about things naturally into our lives that give us peace. It's not magic, but it causes, it, it sets in motion things that, that give us peace and confidence. And just like with Miss Judy, I was saying, those things come upon us and they, they trouble us because that, that confidence, what's going to happen to my son? Is he going to be okay? That confidence is taken away. And so for that, that, that temporary period, we're worried and concerned about him. And that, and that happens to all of us. But the fear of the Lord gives us that safety. But notice what it says, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Notice who benefits from the safety. Not you. By you fearing God, it's not just you that benefits with success and prosperity, which is what we're talking about. But your kids. Your kids have peace. Your kids have stability. Your kids have tranquility in their lives because you fear God. That's fantastic. You know, when a kid goes through a divorce... Kids go crazy. You know why? You know why? Because everything that was their confidence and their stability is ripped away. 
That hurts them. That hurts them. So, by fearing the Lord and having that peace, that confidence, that refuge, and that stability, well, they benefit. You see, they benefit. And that produces good effects. Success in one's life. Proverbs 20, 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. I like that word, safe. All right, look at Proverbs 22 as we move right along here. This is in the same vein as what I just said. Verse number 4 says this, The fear of the Lord, I'm sorry, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. I say the fear, benefit of the fear of the Lord is that it promises success and prosperity. That's what this verse says. You think about when the Bible says, <clears throat> well, think about the book of Proverbs. What is a proverb? It's important for you to understand that. And there, I'll, I'll say it at the outset. Even in our crowd, there might be somebody who disagrees with me a little bit. That's fine. But on this, on this question... What is a proverb? It is a short, traditional, pithy saying, a con concise sentence, typically or metaphorical, typically metaphorical or alliterative in form, stating a general truth or piece of advice, an adage or maxim. The key is general truth there. The question is, are, prover are the proverbs promises or are they not? Are they proverbs or are they promises? I take them, I believe the Proverbs are Proverbs and not to be taken as absolute promises. Like you would say, uh, Jesus said, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. That is a promise. That is absolute under all circumstances and there are no exceptions. But the book of Proverbs has exceptions it, because they are Proverbs, generally apl applicable truths. This verse says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. Okay? So if I fear God, I'm going to be rich. You see? You see what I mean? But, but uh, although we might not be able to say that, we can, we can look at this verse and say, this, this is the natural result. And the general truth is, you will have riches, honor, and life. That, and that's what I'm getting to. Look at the next verse and it'll make more sense. Look at chapter 19, verse number 23. This is what I mean by this being a proverb, these being proverbs and not necessarily promises. Verse 23 says of chapter 19, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. All of us in this room know of someone that feared God but was killed in a car accident or died of some terrible disease. Those people exist. And if there is one exception, it's not a promise. Now, if there's one soul, on the other hand, that believes on Christ and does not receive eternal life, that is a big problem. <laughs> but there's not because it is an absolute promise. But as far as Proverbs are concerned, they're generally applicable truths, but they do have exceptions. Okay? Verse 23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. All right, even though I wouldn't say this is a promise, there is a truth in here, which is the fear of the Lord is going to put.
put you on a path and set in motion things that are going to make your life better. It's going to give you more money. It's going to help your health. And it's going to extend your life. That's what it says. It will affect our satisfaction. I love, I, don't, don't you love to live a life and lay your head on the pillow at night without a guilty conscience? You just lay there and you're like, Lord, I didn't, I didn't do everything maybe I should have done 100%. I tried, but maybe I failed some. But you know what? I am happy. I am satisfied. I am sad. You know what that comes from? The fear of God. You know what? That's fantastic. Money can't buy that. That's a direct result of fearing God. Look at another one. Chapter 14. Verse 27. We've got two more. We'll be done. Chapter 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. A fountain of life. It gives us life. This is referring to long life. This is the third point, which was alluded to in, our, in chapter 19, verse 23. The, fear of, the benefit of fear of the Lord is it... How did I write it? I've got I to say it the way I wrote it. It tends to long life. In other words, but by fearing God, it causes us to avoid, because we hate it, sin and evil. And sin and evil, we know, have attached to them consequences that include suffering and ultimately death. James says, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. How many of you want that? Just don't fear the Lord. Because by fear, it, listen, this is not magic. It's not, like, it's not like if I honor my parents, then I'm going to live a long life irrespective of any other thing that happens in my life. That's not the way it works. But here's the thing. When I honor my parents, because it has a similar promise, right? When I honor my parents, I get wisdom from them. And the effect of that wisdom is that it allows me to avoid the very things, sins, and pitfalls and dangers that lead to my own demise. And thus, my life is extended. So this is not magic. This is, this is in the natural world that God has set up, the world of consequences and sowing and reaping. Fearing God sets in motion. Just as sin sets things in motion that ends in death, like James says, fearing God sets in motion certain things in our lives that end and tend to end in long life. Now, we all know examples of people that, were, that they, they died before their time, as we say. But that doesn't undo this truth. It tendeth to life. Proverbs 14, 16, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. Well, if I'm wise, I see evil, and I'm, and I'm like, ah, I'll stay away from that. And then there's a fool who does not fear the Lord, and he goes right on, and just he, he, he's confident, he's raging, and he's just like, I'll just do it, whatever, nobody's going to stop me. Well, he's going to get the, the benefit of that. And sometimes that means he gets in a car accident because he's drunk. Sometimes it means he kills the other person, and he goes to prison for 15 years. Sometimes it means that he himself is killed. Sometimes it means that his liver is destroyed. In all cases, that is not good, right? A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on 
and are punished. Look at Proverbs 10. This will be our last verse. Verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. As I said, many people view the promises of long life as a kind of magic or superstition. But as I said, it is a natural and God-established product of fearing the Lord. If a person honors his parents but drinks himself into oblivion, he will not live long despite the fact he's honored his parents. (laughs) It's true. But by fearing God, he'll both honor his parents and stay away from drink, and that will extend his life. Deuteronomy 4.40, listen to this. The Lord says, Thou shalt therefore keep his statutes, God's statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day. Listen to what it says. That it may go well with thee. Notice that. Keeping his statutes causes things to go well. And with thy children after thee, I mentioned that earlier, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth. See that? By keeping God's commandments, it causes things to go well, which causes us to have a long life. That's what the Lord is saying here. Again, it's not magic. It's sowing and reaping on the positive side. And that's why we read in our our verse here, in in verse 27, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So the same natural laws that God has established that give us long life by fearing the Lord is the same laws that cause the wicked to have a shortened life because they don't fear God. That's just the way it works. God is the God of the natural world. He's the one that set this, these things up, these laws. And so we find these truths in Proverbs to, to uh, benefit and help us. Let's pray together.